Memphis finally seems to be ready to pull the trigger on a Mike Conley or Mark Gasol trade. And Ben Golliver of the Washington Post joins us to pick some All-Stars. And it's a four-game night, light schedule in the NBA. We're going to talk about it all here on the Locked On NBA podcast. Let's go. You are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Wednesday in the NBA, that means we are your Locked On NBA host du jour. I am John Corrales. I'm co-host of the Locked On Celtics podcast, and I'm a beat writer covering the Celtics for MassLive.com. You can find me on Twitter at RedsArmy underscore John. And I'm Jake Madison, host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. You can find me on Twitter. It's at Nola Jake. We got a lot to get to, like we said at the beginning. We got All Star. We got Memphis. We're going to talk about all of that with Ben Golliver of the Washington Post momentarily. But first, four games, Jake. Light schedule in the NBA, but we're going to do it all for everybody. For if you didn't watch, we did. That's okay. We call it too long. Didn't watch. And here's our rundown. Starts off. With the Toronto Raptors beating the Sacramento Kings 120 to 105. No Kawhi Leonard, but that's okay for Toronto. Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Vliet had 19 apiece. Just a, they just spread the wealth. They're 11 and 2 now without Kawhi. Pascal Siakam 18, Serge Ibaka double double, uh, and eight wins in nine games for the Toronto Raptors. Yeah, just kind of too much better depth than the Sacramento Kings, and this one kind of went the way we thought. Marvin Bagley, the third, 22 points for the Kings. Buddy Heald, a little bit more quiet in this one after him being on a bit of a tear, just 15 points. Uh, look, the better team won. It's kind of as simple as that. Yeah, especially no Fox, no Bielitsa, no Shumpert. Bagley's first career start, though, that's a nice performance out of him, something to look forward to. For the Sacramento Kings, now OKC Portland Thunder win this one, 123-114. This is fun. The Battle of the Stars, uh, kind of a stalemate. Westbrook and Paul George combined for 65. Dame Lillard and C.J. Miles combined for 65. This game, though, won at three-point line. Portland 10 of 36, OKC 11 of 23, much more efficient from beyond the arc for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Yeah, Russell Westbrook, another triple-double, 29 points, 14 assists, 10 rebounds, only five turnovers for him, which feels like that's got to be considered a win there. <laughs> I, I, I still like this Oklahoma City Thunder team, and like I'm hoping they're really going to put it together, even though they're still pretty good. Yeah, they're, they're okay. They're okay. Paul George conv- continues his MVP candidacy uh, with a huge game there. Okay, off to Dallas where the Mavericks beat the Clippers 106-98. Dennis Smith Jr. gets out, out of purgatory, gets into the starting lineup. He has 17-8. and eight. Luka Doncic also 17 points and a key jumper late in the game. My favorite th- moment, though, was him ripping his jersey, walking off the floor at the end of halftime, going into halftime. Oh, I missed that. This, this, that would have been awesome. Uh, maybe he needs to be Very an all-star. Very Hulkamania. Very yeah. Hulkamania. It was, it was awesome. 
Uh, again, maybe he needs to be an all-star. We'll talk about that. Is he in any of our lists? It's like we're professionals who do a podcast here and tease future future segments. Clippers could not like buy a bucket for all oh the billions of dollars God. that Balmer has it, within like five minutes left in the game where they were winning by like four or five. And then basically that was when they had 88 points. They scored 10 the rest of the way and just could not get anything going. And yeah, fall, you know, 106 to 98. It's not like the Mavericks really outplayed them a ton here. It's just a little bit more offense. Yeah, they, Doc Rivers like, loves to say it's a make-miss league. The Clippers missed their last 15 shots of the third quarter. So make a few of those and you wouldn't be in this position, Clippers. Tough one for the Clips to lose this one. And the night ended with the Minnesota Timberwolves beating the Phoenix Suns 118-91. Seems like an uneventful score, but... Devin Booker, Gorgie Jang, kicked out of this game after a scuffle in, in the third quarter, which saw both guys saying, oh, you want to meet in the tunnel? behind? Sure, let's go. And they both ran off the court. Obviously, they were both restrained. But those were the big fireworks in that game. Carl Anthony Towns, big game for him, 25 points, 18 rebounds, seven assists, uh, 7 assists. And to me, the big deal for Minnesota, they have unleashed – Josh Akogi, a career high, 21 points. Let the rookie play. I, I was kind of high on him coming into the draft for a second, a guy who's like firmly in the second round. And good for, like, now that they don't have Tibbs there, you can play young guys, I guess, and this is what you're allowed to do now. Fun. Isn't it's it kind of wild when when that happens. <laughs> for for the Suns, Josh Jackson, 27 points, 10 rebounds. It's really kind of other than, you know, Booker getting kicked out, the only thing of note there. Yeah, so that's your night in the NBA. Again, only four games, so light night in the association after a big, really the big uh, Martin Luther King Day. That's a, just a gigantic day for the NBA, so a light day following that up. So that's, that's your too long didn't watch. Next up, we bring in our guy, Ben Golliver, from the Washington Post. We're going to talk about the Memphis Grizzlies. The Grizzlies are now getting ready to field offers for Mark Gasol and Mike Conley. So things are changing big time in Memphis. We're going to talk about that when we come back. But first, if you have a smart speaker, if you got one as a gift recently, if you got one over the holidays, wake it up and say, play podcast, and then the name of your favorite Locked on podcast could be mine, locked on Celtics, could be Jake's, locked on Pelicans. There's going to be a lot going on with both teams. It could be locked on Grizzlies because we're talking about them. Just ask your smart speaker, wake it up and say, play podcast and the name of your favorite podcast and it will do it. I've seen it happen with my own eyeballs. It works. So do that and stick around. We're coming right back on the locked on NBA podcast. Breaking news today out of Memphis, where the Memphis Grizzlies are now willing to listen to trade offers for Marcus Gasol and Mike Conley. They are finally seemingly willing to blow it up. We're going to bring in Washington Post NBA writer Ben Golliver for this conversation. But Jake, let's start with you and the this just this report 
it's it's kind of like an about time for the Memphis Grizzlies. I feel like they held on a little too long, but uh, better late than never, I guess. Yeah, you know, you look at this team and, you know, they're not really kind of in control of their own pick this year. What, it goes to Boston, I think, is that right? Well, and it's top eight protected for this this season. So if they completely, if they make this trade and they completely fall into the tank uh, and it falls in the top eight, they get to keep it. And then it goes to Boston next year, top six protected, and then unprotected the year after that. That's, that's how that trade yeah. goes. Yeah, you know, that's kind of, I think, important in this context, in this discussion. You know, I think they looked at having uh, Conley and Gasol come back and maybe they could field a competitive team, and they did for a little bit. And, you know, their their goals were clear, compete and also develop young talent, and they were kind of doing that with Jaron Jackson Jr. Now they're not competing, and if you're not competing, there's no point in kind of being in that middle ground. So you may as well kind of sell these guys, start the full-on youth movement instead of holding on, as you said, maybe just a little bit too long. I think now that these reports are coming out, they want to trade these guys, which they should, which makes sense, which they definitely want to do. I think it's perfect for them. Yeah, I, and I think that um, part of the reason why they held on is because as a small market team, you want to have these stars and, and build at least a, a sellable product. Uh, it's not like big markets like Boston, L.A., New York, where you can go through these down periods and these fans, these entrenched fans are going to be around for a long time and they'll still get pissed off, but they, they want, they want the team to do what it needs to take to, uh, to get better and build towards a championship team. These teams like Memphis, uh, in, in the smaller markets, it's a hard, it's a hard sell for, for them to go completely in the tank, but, I think this year, considering the possibilities at the top of the draft, to you, you got to just make the move. Forget about what you owe Boston, and and try to get what you can for these guys while they're still serviceable, and try and get a haul. Now, Ben, the question is for you: What kind of trade offer should the Memphis Grizzlies be looking for? Well, first things first, let's underline the fact that they're doing a U-turn here because it wasn't so long ago that they were trading draft picks for Justin Holiday and really trying to hang on, right? right so right. it's clear that this season has not gone the way they planned in sort of a very obvious fashion. Uh, first of all, they're in tricky spots with both these guys, Conley and Gasol. First with Conley, it's the amount of money he's owed, you know, 30-plus million dollars for this season and the next two. That's a significant commitment for a small point guard. He's still getting it done on the court you know, fringe all-star candidate, but he's not that, like, no-brainer guy who you just pay $30 million to and it's not painful. With Gasol, the trick is he's got the player option for next year, so you have to be a little bit careful about where you send him. I mean, ideally, you'd want to send him someplace he would want to stay uh, to maximize the trade value in return, but that's no guarantee. I think if I'm trying to reverse-engineer a trade, first of all, I would love to see Conley end up in Utah. They already play his style. They need a point guard. Uh, Ricky Rubio's got a big expiring contract. They've got some other flexible contracts they could put together to, to put into a deal. I think he'd make a really interesting pairing uh, with both uh, Donovan Mitchell in terms of how they could balance the load in the backcourt, but then also as a pick-and-roll option with a guy like uh, uh, you know Gobert finishing in the middle. I could just see that working. To me, the Jazz uh, are a team that should be on the rise here in the second half. They're a team that should be trying to win. Uh, given that they're in Gobert's prime, I could see that, uh, you know, making quite a bit of uh, sense for them as they try to upgrade at that point guard position. We'll see if they feel the same way. Like I mentioned, that's a huge commitment. 
uh, with Gasol, you know, that's a really tough one because he's not the same guy he was even two years ago. Um, so I'm starting to look at like which teams are really desperate. And to me, uh, I don't know if you guys agree. Is New Orleans at the top of the list in terms of desperation factor uh, for any kind of help? The stylistic fit uh, there would be kind of weird uh, because obviously they've been playing faster with Anthony Davis as the center, but the defense has just been absolutely atrocious. Last time I checked, they were 27th in defense. The only teams behind them were teams that aren't even really trying to play this year, whether it's you know Chicago uh, or Cleveland, Phoenix, teams like that. So they clearly need some help there. Could they talk themselves into renting Gasol for the stretch run, trying to appease Anthony Davis, try to make a playoff push? Um, you know, we'll see. I, I don't think it's the greatest idea in the world if you're Dell Demps, but this guy's been desperate in the past. I could see him being desperate again. So can confirm New Orleans is desperate and would like to make a move and bring someone in, though I think it would be more likely for Conley than it would be for Gasol. And I think you could at least sell me on the idea of a backcourt of Conley and Drew Holiday. I think when they're looking to make trades, I don't mean to get into a huge digression here, but I think they're looking for more long-term money actually to bring in. I think with the way their cap situation set up with the way you've got Randall and Miritich basically going to be free agents this year. If you can trade one of those guys for money that kind of keeps them a player here long term, you're not worried about your cap space evaporating when you sign one of those guys. So Conley, even though what they're paying him is a lot and there's some injury concerns there, I think that's the guy that New Orleans would be targeting. The thing is, they just don't really have any assets to trade to Memphis that makes that deal look appealing. Yeah, so here's my concern, though. How do you feel about having $60 million tied up between Drew Holiday and Mike Conley for the next couple of years? I mean, that's an awful lot of money, right? And I guess, I mean, do you feel like if they did trade for Conley, that would be enough to get them into the playoffs this year for sure? Because I think that would have to be your calculation, right? Like, you're going to you're gonna trade off whatever assets you can, like, you know, scrounge into the couch cushions to show Anthony Davis that you're committed to having a playoff team. Do you think that move gets them into that picture? No, so honestly, I don't know. I thought this team was going to be a whole lot better than they were this year. I think they're desperate enough that they might go all in on that. And, you know, I think if you're looking at the money you owe both those guys, it's like, okay, whatever. You know, if Anthony Davis isn't here, we're going to be bad for a number of years anyway. Who cares if we owe him this money? You know, you got to pay someone. So I think given the situation and maybe this kind of happens when you've got a an all-star or an all-NBA guy and Anthony Davis on the verge of losing, you might cash your chips in and just do it. I think there's an argument to be had that New Orleans is maybe right on the edge of making that move being irresponsible for the best long-term future of the franchise. You've traded away so many first-round picks. You're looking right now, at least, at a lottery pick. You know, on the off chance that you do keep Anthony Davis, which I think is fair to say it's less likely than more likely. I don't know if that's the responsible move. If Dal Damps is making the, the move and it's up to him, he's certainly going to do that. If ownership's going to step in and say, no, hold on, we need to wait here because we don't know where we're going to be in six months. I think they say no, but you know, it, it is kind of a big open question of who's really running things there in New Orleans and how much does ownership really know about basketball or pay t- attention to this. Though, hey, the Saints were robbed the other day. Who dat? And maybe <laughs> Maybe, maybe they're paying more attention to basketball now. <laughs> I like like how you work that in. Uh, I I think New Orleans is just ripe for the the taking because I just feel like the desperation is is very very high, and the the. I mean, obviously, I'm I'm the Boston guy, so I'm, I'm saying, of course, you should trade Anthony Davis and get a haul of picks and hit an instant reset, but. 
I, I still think that's the smart thing to do if, if your choice is that or shelling out a ton of money for a very expensive team that's the middle of the pack, then uh, I think that the getting what you can for your star and, and resetting is the smart thing to do. But that's, that's just, even if he doesn't go to Boston, but back to Memphis, uh, I, I'm curious about the Conley fit. Uh, what do you guys think about Phoenix jumping in? They obviously have been pursuing point guards going in, paying him the money and saying, here's the veteran guy, our point guard to lead these young guys. I am intrigued by the idea of him next to Devin Booker and kind of being a stabilizing force on a team that's full of young athletic guys. I would like a team like Orlando, who's in a similar situation to Phoenix, where uh, they haven't had a point guard that can you know, function as a lead point guard in years. I would rather a team like that goes in, given they have some other veteran players there. and You, you could maybe uh, make a run at the eighth seed. To me, if you're going to spend all that money on Conley and Phoenix, I guess he would definitely help, but I don't think he gets you out of like the absolute basement up to that playoff bubble. And so then there's a question of, like, is it worth it? To me, it makes more sense to try to find a, a location like a Utah, a team that's one piece away from, you know, convincing itself it can be in the conference finals rather than a team that's like the dregs of the conference saying, hey, this is the guy who's going to, you know, boost us up to respectability because Conley misses a lot of time. Like, let's be honest. Like, he's going to miss 10, 15, 20 games basically every year just with, you know, nicks and bruises uh, here and there. You have to be a team that's already kind of established that can sustain that a little bit. Like, if you're Phoenix, you invest all this money in Conley, then he's injured, and then, you know, you're running out your same, you know, no-name backup point guards who have been leading you to one of the worst offenses in the league all season long. I'm not sure that where that gets you. But you also yeah. have the magical Phoenix training staff that always seems to get – players who have been struggling with their health to, to be uh, to, to be healthy for long stretches. I, I, I think there's something to that Phoenix medical staff. I think, I don't know. I mean, I get the exact point with Conley, but uh, just throwing it out there. Are the Brooklyn Nets a team that, that could get involved? I don't view either one of those positions as a position of need for Brooklyn. I don't know if you guys feel differently. I mean, their, their point guard situation looks pretty good lately. And I'm a Jared Allen guy, and I guess I would just be scared of the size of these contracts. Yeah. Um, if I was any team that had a, a core that was really developing and showing progress, I think I would stay away. Um, but I'm open to counter arguments. No, I agree. I'm just I, throwing it out there. Go ahead, Jake. It, it, it's kind of weird because, like, I'm focused more on Conley than Gasol, and you, you kind of look around the league, and it's like, where would, would Conley make a lot of sense? Like, what teams are so point guard needy that you kind of make that big move and maybe the pieces it would take to get him? So with him, at least, I kind of look at maybe, I don't know, is Minnesota desperate enough to do something like that to kind of jumpstart them a little bit? What about a team um, like the, the Pistons who maybe compare him alongside Blake Griffin? You've got at least some big contracts you can send out alongside picks and I mean no matter what I think one thing we got to look at this with the pieces coming back to Memphis they're not only going to get experience for you know the 34 million and the 25 million that these guys are getting they're going to eat some bad contracts and I think you know it's what level of that is palatable to them to get these picks and what picks are going to be worth it to them too because these guys are making so much money it's you know it's it's not as easy to kind of necessarily move them and clean your books but also with Brooklyn no I don't think if I were them I'd take it even one sniff at either of these two guys i do like that detroit idea 
uh, because, I mean, anybody's better than Reggie Jackson at this point. <laughs> yeah. Like, e- even Conley in a wheelchair, he's like a better watch than uh, Reggie Jackson. What about Dallas with the same idea we were talking about, you know, potentially pairing Conley with Mitchell uh, or Conley with Booker, uh, as John mentioned? Could you see a scenario where you've got Conley and Doncic, uh, you know, you've already got these other veteran contracts on the books, you're trying to win. I mean, Dallas is always trying to win whether or not they're succeeding. Uh, could they talk themselves into that? Or could they look at a center swap and say, hey, you know, Gasol for Jordan, uh, does that kind of shake things up for them in, in some way? I don't know. If I'm Mark Cuban, I just feel like he's always excited to overpay veterans, right? Like, isn't this right in his wheelhouse? <laughs> that, that is something that he's known to do. Uh, they've got the, they've got the space. And I assume that we would be, uh, giving up Dennis Smith Jr. in this and this reconciliation. We're just kind of done with it. Uh, if if you do that, you're you're, you're certainly making that commitment to to that backcourt. I, I don't I don't mind it. I don't mind it, and I think a guy like Cuban can afford it. I think it, there's definite interest there. If they are actually looking to move on from from Smith, then Memphis gets a, a, a good young player. I think he I think there's still a lot of value to him. Uh, I think it could work. Look, the, the point for Memphis is to get. A young core together to get enough picks down the line where they see some value in, uh, the, the first round picks either next year or a year or two after that. And then they want that cap relief. I think that getting Jordan and you get Smith, you get the cap relief, you get, my question would be the value of their draft picks in, in two or three years. You don't want to be getting picks that are somewhere in the twenties. You want to, kind of bank on a team maybe uh, overplaying their hands like New Orleans and getting a pick three years down the line be like, that's going to be a good pick. So that, that, that would be my, my only sticking point with, with Dallas. Okay. Uh, good. Last point. Uh, uh, yeah. With that is don't they want Luca on the ball though? Wasn't that kind of the whole point of maybe we don't want Dennis Smith juniors, let him kind of run point for him because then doesn't well, kind of, I, I think it was mostly just get Dennis Smith jr. Off the ball before uh, he does too much damage. I mean, I think, <laughs> okay. I think there could be a balance there, but I think you're right. Like Luca would be the, the main uh, fulcrum of the offense, but Conley can play that secondary. Yeah. Role. The guy can shoot the ball from three. He's not selfish. He can run a little, you know, second side pick and roll, whatever you need. He can do it. You know what would be the funniest trade though is if Mark got traded for his brother again. Can we get that? Can we get Paul pa- 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 Gasol for Mark Gasol as like a tribute to the original deal? Let's do that. I would love that. I would love that. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, let's wrap this up and move on. Uh, of course, lots to listen to now for uh, Memphis Lockdown Grizzlies. Check them out for all of the uh, Grizzlies updates. And uh, moving forward, there's only a couple more weeks to the trade deadline, so this is definitely going to be a big story. Moving on. Okay, we haven't on the Locked On NBA podcast done All-Stars, so we'll take a break and we'll come back and we'll talk about our All-Star teams when we come back on the Locked On NBA podcast. Okay, gentlemen, we are a couple weeks away from... The all-star selection, the captains, we're going to figure out who the captains are soon. And so we're going to put our, our teams together. Are you guys fully prepared for this exercise that is completely original and no one else has ever done? I love being original. 
well, let's let's start let's start in the East because you know East Coast bias and all of that stuff. Uh, can we? Uh, I'll just read off names and you tell me if if all of you agree on Kyrie as a starting guard, Giannis, Kawhi, and Embiid as your starting front court. Are there any objections to those four? No, I've got those four as starters, and on top of that, I think those are the only four players in the East that could make the West All-Star team. Ooh. I think everybody everybody else is getting snubbed in the West, but we don't have to get into a, a coastal <laughs> war. Uh, I understand that, but no, those four guys are locks for me. How about you, Jake? Yeah, I, I'm 100% on board. Those guys are all starters. So now the big debate is who is the second guard? Ben, who is your second guard? Well, this is what I'm trying to say. Like, it's just so depressing. It's a, who's like the, the, the best of the weak options. I mean, I defaulted to Beal, uh, which I didn't love because I'm, I'm big on rewarding winning. Um, but he's been very healthy. He's carried a huge load. They've been a lot better since the John Wall injury. I tried to imagine what the Wizards would look like if just Wall had never been healthy. And I think they're probably closer to the playoff picture and Beal's numbers are even better. Um, so I went Beal over the likes of, uh, Victor Oladipo, who's been injured and, and probably would have had the spot had he been healthier, uh, and Kemba, who to me uh, has been very solid and very Kemba-esque, but not quite uh, enough to get to that starting spot. I agree. Yeah, that's that's my. I opinion. agree too. Yeah, we're that all was kind of. Yeah, uh, look, he's put up so like, he's looked good since Walls went down. He's carrying a heavy load, and like that was his team is not good. Yeah, all season, but I don't. know. You've seen it like especially now, I think. And it's I get what you're saying, Ben, about rewarding winning, which makes me terrified about what you're going to say about the Pelicans here. <laughs> uh, no, don't but, worry, I'm not snubbing AD. Don't worry, not completely, okay. anyways. <laughs> uh, so okay, so I I just don't think if. We love, we love taking shots at the Wizards on the Wednesday lockdown NBA. Uh, but I, not Beal. Uh, I, do, I don't think this is his fault at all. He's the one guy that I can look at and be like, he's, he, he's the shining spot in that, in that lineup. And I've said from the beginning, if Washington decides to blow it up, like I think they should too, Beal is the prize of the trade deadline. If for some reason he becomes available, he is the prize of the trade deadline with the assumption that Anthony Davis is not available at the deadline, which all reporting says that he is not. Okay, so that's our starting five. We're all good. Uh, in the On the bench, so we mentioned Kemba. Do we all have Kemba? Yep. Yes. Yes. We mentioned Oladipo. I think everybody's got Oladipo. I think that, that he's a lock. Ben Simmons is a lock. Those are three. I assume nobody's going to get a surprise. Uh, Blake Griffin is a lock. That's four off the bench. Yeah. Good. Okay. Yep. Uh, Vucevic is... I've got him. Yeah, he's on my list. He's on the list. Okay, so now we get down to the last two spots, and this is where it gets fun. So we've now created... There's ten spots... Kyrie, Beal, Giannis, Kawhi, Embiid are the starters. Simmons, Kemba, Vucevic, uh, Blake, Griffin, and Victor Oladipo on the bench. The last two, it, that's that's up for some debate. So, Jake, why don't you go ahead and reveal your last two, and we'll see. Who- so, I'm still torn. I've got, though, one, and John, I'm almost certain you're going to agree with me on this. Um, and that's, uh, Pascal Siakam, I think. You've 
got to throw him on there. I think he's had just kind of a breakout year. I'm still torn on who I want to throw in there as the last spot. So I don't know. I'm going to let you guys sway me on this a little bit. Yeah, for me, it came down to rewarding winning. Uh, I wanted to to look at Toronto and, and Milwaukee and basically say like, Hey, you guys should have two representatives each. You've been the class of the Eastern conference, at least, you know, consistently since the start of the year. Um, I wound up going Chris Middleton over Eric Bledsoe in a pretty close one. I still think Middleton is um, more irreplaceable for Milwaukee than Bledsoe. Bledsoe's had an awesome year. I really bounced back from a tough playoffs and kind of rewrote his reputation on the fly here over the last six months. Uh, but Middleton still got really solid numbers, complete player, very important for their offense, uh, and a solid defensive guy too. Uh, plus he's got the added bonus of like always being snubbed previously. So it's almost like a little bit of a career achievement award. For Toronto, I was going back and forth between Pascal, who you mentioned, Ibaka, and Lowry. And ultimately, like I know Lowry's scoring number is down, but you know, his real plus minus is off the charts. His advanced stats still look really good. He's got almost a 10 assists per game. I mean, he's been a major cog uh, in their offense, you know, both with and without Kawhi Leonard. So even though Lowry hasn't been as good as he's been in previous years, uh, he got my nod uh, to go along with Middleton for the last two spots. Those are all excellent choices. I I decided to make my choices different, uh, not to say that none of those guys are deserving, but I, I wanted to put a couple of different names here just to just to kind of reward guys for seasons. Uh, I, I first of all I agree with the winning to to a certain degree. I also kind of want to give guys an opportunity to make this all-star team while I think they are playing their best and maybe I'm not sure they're going to be back for another shot. So I kind of want to give them this shot while they have it. So uh I'm going with uh Bogdanovich for Indy, who is ooh ooh okay yeah I and I I'm with you on Siakam I'm with you with all these guys I love all of all of the names certainly are, are in there I think and and this is a, a toss up between him and Sabonis but I think because Indy was able to kind of weather the storm without Oladipo and he Bogdanovich is just shooting so well and has been so important for them uh, I I. I felt like that was worth the reward. And India is, is playing extraordinarily well for them to still be the, uh, what are they now? The fourth seed? The third seed? Uh, third seed. They're the third seed in the East. So obviously, yes, you want to reward Milwaukee with a couple of players. You want to reward the Raptors with a couple of players. Um, but I, I, I think the, like Kyle Lowry has missed a lot of time. He's taken a step back. Certainly I, I get the advanced numbers argument. But just not enough for him to to kind of jump into that spot, and I just kind of wanted to reward Bogdanovich for his play. My my last choice, I want to give the Brooklyn Nets some love, and I put D'Angelo. I was wondering if this is who you were going to pick. That was maybe one of my borderline guys for the final spot. I think he's been outstanding. And and there might be a little bit of recency bias for me because I just watched the Celtics. Go out there and, and lose to the Nets in Brooklyn and Russell had a just monster, monster third quarter. Uh, he's, he's been up and down for, he's, but he's had a, a good start to the season. Brooklyn is the sixth seed in the East. They're, they're two games over 500. 
they are playing well. Uh, I think uh, Matt Moore had an amazing tweet the other day where the Brooklyn Nets made the worst trade in basketball history. They haven't had a draft pick in forever, yet they still rebuilt faster than the New York Knicks. And uh, I, I think their ascension to this point, the way they're playing, I want to give them some love. And I, so I put D'Angelo Russell on there. No complaints. All right. Yeah, I mean, this is just one where when we're looking at these final two spots, let's be honest, they should be Western Conference players, okay? We should we should take <laughs> off the conference restrictions uh, because the guys who were snubbing in the West, like, I don't know about you guys, but, like, I couldn't have room for Clay Thompson, DeMar DeRozan, some of these other guys right. where a guy like DeMar yep. started in the Eastern Conference. Now he's going to get snubbed out West, and now we're trying to talk ourselves into D'Angelo Russell and, <laughs> and some of these other players. I mean, it's a rough rough situation. I really feel bad for the guys who are getting snubbed. And if I was a players association, I'm calling Michelle Roberts out right here, right now. Fix this thing. Like get the best players in the game so that we're not agonizing over these Eastern conference, uh, you know, also rands instead of the, the true stars who are getting snubbed. Well, how about, how about this as a quick aside, but a quick proposal. We still do East and West for like the top 10. But then we expand the rosters out to 15, and then the last 10 spots are just wild card for the rest of the league. If we're going to be picking teams anyway, we still want to reward the conferences, so you get 10 players from each conference. There's your top 10 in each, and then the rosters grow out to 15. The last five on each roster is just the 10 next best players. Uh, I would prefer expanding it to 13 because that's the normal roster size now. Sure. And doing no positions. Uh, no conferences. So the fans just pick the 10 best players. The coaches pick the next, uh, I guess it would be 16 players if we did 13 per conference. And it's just, you know, and then you throw them all into a draft and it gets goofy. That's how I would do it personally. But I think your proposal is better than what we've got currently. Okay. Jake? Look, yeah, I'm right now all for all sports reform, like imaginable. So <laughs> uh, it's not gonna, I know we're an NBA podcast, but I'm not letting this go. Uh, so I am totally cool with whatever. So, so tough to get a Saints guy on here this week. All right, let's go to the West real quick. Uh, because geez, what a, like you said, what a mess. So the starters are, are tell me if anybody disagrees. I'm going to start reading off names. Uh, James Harden. Steph Curry in the backcourt. Yep. Kevin Durant. Paul George. Yep. 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 Okay. Now the third. I'm going with Jokic over Anthony Davis. Am I an idiot? Well, if you're an no, idiot, I'm, an idiot I'm not because I got the same thing. <laughs> All right, so sorry, Jake. gentlemen. No, no, no. Look, look. It, there's it's it's there's no wrong choice in this. Honestly, it's kind of splitting hairs. Like what Jokic does is amazing. He's instrumental to their success. They're winning more than New Orleans. I think he has maybe better talent around it, but those guys have been hurt, you know, overall more than maybe New Orleans has. So, like, I, I can't complain. Like, I want to complain, but New Orleans is also 22 and 25. Like, what am I supposed to say here? Come on. Right. I mean, yeah. So, okay, fine. So. So, but you have Davis as your. Uh, yeah, come on of now. Course, of course. So, but okay, but the, we all all obviously have Anthony Davis on the team. So, and then LeBron is an obvious choice. Um, Dame. Lillard. Yeah, just to just to break it down real quick. I mean, I think Jokic has a case because he really has no weak links in his resume. He's been healthy. Uh, his individual numbers are incredible. His advanced stats are incredible. Like right, really close to Davis in most of the major categories. Yeah. The, the winning has been there, and then the team success in terms of 
like elite offense plus league average defense, which that's their formula to win, right? That's what we were all kind of hoping that they would be able to do, and they've delivered on it. I think he also gets some bonus points for creating culture and, and positivity there, too. I mean, he's setting everybody up, setting records for center, uh, assist numbers, you know, going all the way back to, like, the Wilt Chamberlain days. I mean, he has been uh, the alpha, the omega, and I think he gets a, a lot of leadership bonus points as well. But yes, I mean, LeBron and AD are the guys who were snubbing from the starters, but like, they're the first two guys you put on the bench. Sure. Yeah. I just love the fact that Jokic is going to be the first all-star who's never been in a weight room. I think that's a very important, <laughs> a very important designation for him. So, okay. Anthony Davis and LeBron, uh, Dame Lillard, I think is an obvious choice. I mean, there, there's probably 20 obvious choices, but, um, uh, we all have Carl Anthony Towns, I assume. Yep. Rudy Gobert. I- Yep. Yep. Okay. Now we're back down to our last two spots. So I'll, since I went last last time, I'll go first. Uh, I'm, I'm rewarding the Spurs. I'm putting a spur on there and I'm going with LaMarcus Aldridge. Just, uh, kind of almost like the same way I was rewarding the Nets in that, but the Spurs, I think, I probably shouldn't even put those two teams in the same sentence other than they wear the same color jerseys, but, uh, but they're a team that was uh, kind of out of it, and they've they've climbed their way back in. I have to pick somebody, um, and basically I feel like my team is too guard-heavy, uh, wing-heavy, so I went with Aldridge as another big. That was my choice there. And then do you guys have Aldridge or no? Ben? I do, I do have Aldridge. Um, so you mentioned Towns earlier. He was one of my last two picks, mostly because of the winning thing, I think. His numbers are phenomenal, uh, but their record is is slacking a little bit. So I docked him. But my my last two picks were were Towns and Aldridge, and then the other guy I had in there um, was Westbrook. And look, I've seen all the counter arguments about struggling efficiency, terrible shooting numbers, uh, and right on down the list. And I totally get it. And he, like Lowry, my other pick in the East, he's not as good as he was a few years ago, and he's going to be a victim of his own expectations on that front. But if we just imagine that anybody else in the league was putting up his numbers, how quick would we put them in the All-Star game? Like D'Angelo Russell, you know, you made a very passionate case, right? We went, we hedged back and forth. If D'Angelo Russell had Westbrook's numbers, how fast would he be on your team? I mean, like that, right? And so right. Uh, I think to me Westbrook's still got to be in there. Even though I'm not his biggest fan, I think Paul George has been the best player for the Thunder. Um, I still think he finds a way onto the 12-man group. Yeah, he's he's one of my last two in there, along with LaMarcus Aldridge. It's like you said, it's Russell Westbrook. He's kind of just uh, – it almost needs to be on there. You know, he's doing what he can, but I agree that Paul George is the best player on that team. I, so who did you who did you guys feel like the worst snubbing? Because we didn't we didn't take Clay, we didn't take Tobias Harris, we didn't take Draymond, we didn't take DeMar. Yeah, um, well, I'm leaving We pretty Westbrook much agreed. I'm leaving, oh, yeah. I'm leaving Westbrook off. So, I mean, you can say – that that's my biggest snubbing. Uh, there are a lot of, of great choices here. Like, we haven't put a Clipper on, and the Clippers are having yeah. a great season. Like, Danilo Gallinari is having a great season. Tobias Harris is having a great season. Not that they're the biggest snubs. Clay Thompson, I would say, might be the the biggest of, of the rest. Um, but He's like, the one I feel the worst about. He would start in the East for me. Sure. Like he, I mean, <laughs> him versus Beal, that's like a really compelling argument because he's still averaging like 22 points a game. The shooting percentage is down, but it's not horrible. You know, he's playing for a winner. I mean, he's got a really nice case, but you know, I had to leave him off. So wait, who is your last pick? My last pick, I am finally rewarding Mike Conley and Ooh. giving him 
Like, this is it. This is the it for Mike Conley. I don't think he's putting up all-star numbers moving forward. And I am leaving more deserving people off the list, admittedly. But I'm, this is a lifetime achievement award for sure. But I also think he deserves it for his play this season for the most part. I, I gotta see Mike Conley in the all-star game once. At least with like a Memphis Grizzlies jersey on, maybe potentially. <laughs> for now. Just yeah. to tie it all back into everything. Can you imagine if he gets traded to the East? That would be great. See him in an Orlando Magic jersey on the big showcase. <laughs> <laughs> what? How does I, – I don't even know. Because like, the trade deadline is the day that they pick the teams. And he would make it as a member of the West, right? So if he gets traded like on the deadline, I don't even know what happens there. Well, they're already uh, mixing the conferences, so I don't think it would be that bad. I think they would just say, you're a West All-Star – I mean, I don't know this for sure, but I would guess they would just say, hey, you're a West All-Star, but when you show up, you're wearing your new team's jersey, and they just throw you into that the draft pool. But I think that what we should do is root for that to happen. Yeah. That should be our number one takeaway from the whole Conley-Gasol discussion is let's have Conley make the All-Star team and get traded to the East. That would be – of course, that would make a, a whole lot of sense for this NBA season. Uh Jake, who, who was your last – so I, I put Westbrook and Lamarcus Aldridge on there, but man, the more I think about like Tobias Harris, the more I feel really oh, bad yeah. excluding him from that. Like really bad with kind of how, even though they've kind of been on the downswing recently, how surprising the Clippers have been. But so like I don't know. By the time we finish this, I'm gonna like change my mind. <laughs> Before we go, quickly, do you guys? How close were you guys to putting Luka Doncic on? Not that close. Uh, he's, he's in that snub category. That's where he belongs. I mean, I, I didn't think he had that strong of a case for a top 12. If they were winning more, um, if his efficiency was better, if his defense was better, okay, maybe I get excited, but I, I love that the fans are already on him like completely and, and voting for him millions of times, which is incredible, but I think he's at least a year away. Yeah, we'll see him for years to come on this, so I think it's okay if we exclude him on this one. Yeah, the thing is, he is going to probably make the team because of the the fan voting, uh, or at least have a, a strong shot at making the team because of the fan voting. Okay, we've gone a little bit long, but that's okay. Fun podcast. I want to thank Ben Golliver from the Washington Post. Check him out on Twitter at Ben Golliver two L's at Ben Golliver. Tweet him, thank him for coming on the show, as we thank him for coming on the show, and we wrap this show up. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Hope you go out and subscribe to the podcast. Share with everybody and tell your friends they should be listening to the Locked On NBA podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network.